0: Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast. This is where the curiosities of spiritualism meet the belief systems of members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This podcast is only for those with an open mind. Join Ken Adams on his quest to find higher planes of spiritual experience. Welcome to the Spirit Restored Podcast today. This is Ken Adams, your host. Today I'm going solo on an important topic that I've thought about quite a bit and I wanted to bring you in on it. So before we get into that, I had some uh, stories that I told or guests that I had brought on recently. And if you know me with this podcast, I love to keep the podcast well-rounded and interviewing various viewpoints that spark curiosity in an LDS context. And I found that curiosity has allowed me to understand people, my own beliefs, new beliefs, and help me quickly get the results that I want in life. So I was very curious about why people take psychedelics, because I've noticed members that have left the church, they go along their own way, they jump right into psychedelics after leaving. And I see this pattern happen a lot. So I wanted to interview several people. Last week I interviewed a doctor. A couple weeks ago, I interviewed a friend. About two months ago, I interviewed my brother-in-law. And all of these discussions were about what are psychedelics, why do people take them, what's important about them, and all of that. So I learned something very important throughout all of these interviews that I'll share. In fact, one thing that you wouldn't believe is in downtown Salt Lake, there's a new church built that has, that's run by a former Utah state senator, and it has about 2,000 members. And it's all around the use of psychedelics. So these are people that left the church and got into taking psilocybin as a worship method. I found that really interesting. And it's no surprise that some members have turned to psychedelics, given the spiritual nature of the history of the church. And even Joseph Smith himself has been accused of using psychedelics in the early days of the church, given all his visions, given all of the accounts that are super spiritual or the revelations that he had, and he's modernly been accused of hiding psychedelics in sacrament meetings, and he would pass those around to the congregation. Well, you know, there's people that have looked at that and whether that's true or not, I don't think anybody can conclusively say, however, there's some evidence that would point in a certain direction. And, you know, I had a friend who was motivated to find personal healing. And with all this baggage that he had throughout his life, he grew up LDS, he grew up in the church, and he had all that, just this weight of something on him. And he decided to do something with psychedelics. He hired a shaman and he went to Southern Utah to take ayahuasca and to find personal healing by using ayahuasca. And the first part of the story, when he was telling me it, I was like, This does not sound appealing to me. This seems like something I would never do because he's in this situation where he's taken this ayahuasca and he's in extreme pain, extreme stomach pain. His lower back is on fire. He's in so much pain and he starts hallucinating and he's seeing across from him what he described as mother Aya, which ayahuasca is named after this, uh, Native American deity named Aya, mother Aya. And she's just sitting there and waiting throughout the process. Yeah. And, and I feel like people are always looking for answers in their lives. They're always looking for something that will give them meaning, something that will enhance their ability to live and live their life. And at, at a training that I put on, which was for people like this, right? No drugs at this training, just so you know, no psychedelics, none of that we just go deep into the mind and people find answers for themselves and discover things for themselves without needing to take any substances they do it all on their own and it's not even psychedelic experiences it's just learning how to be the best version of you and overcoming the limitations that get in the way of that, as well as we had people there that were overcoming anxiety or depression or whatever they were there for, right? If they wanted to make more money, become a better leader. And uh, one of those people that was really determined, yeah, he's a super determined individual and he's got all this business stuff going on. He's going to make a ton of money and uh, he's, he's also a faithful person yeah and and he was he was working with another person and he mentioned this he says he doesn't want to let god down yeah and the person helping him i don't think she really understood how that could be a limitation well we're gonna dive into that today yeah and this episode is for you if you're doing your very best following god but you haven't quite gotten the results you want like what is promised in scripture or what you believe will give you the results that you're looking for. So what does it mean to let God down? I mean, if we look at it in the context of the church, right? And in, in being a member of the church and living your life, right, we have there's all these commandments. And all these commandments are all these rules and things. And if sometimes if we don't live them, we feel like God is disappointed in us or we sin and God wouldn't have his presence to be with us, or maybe you're at BYU and it's after 12 midnight and the spirit disappears and now you've let God down in any case, you know, people have their own description of what this means to let God down. And they might even imagine that he's crying because of them, or he's sad, or he's angry or whatever it is. Yeah. So people have this, let's look at Jesus Christ as an example and even before that i'll mention this in the old testament there actually were a lot of examples of god being displeased and he killed people for their disobedience at least in what the old testament says now i read the old testament through the lens of tribal order because back in the day with the hebrews they were living in tribes essentially right we had the the ten tribes of israel right they're in tribes and in tribal culture a lot of things are just mysterious to them yeah so for example a whole plague could go through their tribe and kill a bunch of people and they would just say it was god right instead of knowing it was god or not because there's really no evidence that it was god necessarily or if it's just the natural ebb and flow of human evolution and biology and those kind of things right and when they write that down in scripture, it was usually, well, God did it because we were disobedient. That's that's a trait of tribes to have that type of thinking. And I wouldn't take it all the way and say, God is just annihilating people with fire and brimstone and illnesses in the Old Testament. There's really not evidence to say it was God. You can even ask who saw God doing that? Was God up there with the fire and brimstone and throwing it down on people and watching them die? I don't think so. So it's something I'd take with a grain of salt. Now, something to look at is the New Testament, right? The life of Jesus Christ. Why do we look at the New Testament? Well, because Jesus Christ said the law was done away. The law of Moses is no longer here. And so when we think about the New Testament, we're really looking at a new set of laws and a new way of living that's really important. And everything that happened before that is no longer relevant. Whatever Jesus Christ... Christ taught in the New Testament, right? And if you're LDS in the Book of Mormon and in the Doctrine and Covenants, that is now the way that we are to be living life. If you're LDS, you know, you, you can look at the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? Compare those to the Book of Mormon and and the uh, Doctrine and Covenants and see, is this the way I want to be living life? Yeah, perhaps the closest thing I've seen from Jesus Christ being displeased is when he went to the temples in the new testament he started flipping tables where the money changers were right he seemed to be upset in that situation i don't know if necessarily he was let down or anything and it may have just been a metaphor that he was creating for us to read or to think about So this is something where when you look at the intention of Jesus Christ in there, we don't really know what it was necessarily. And people say it was righteous indignation or whatever. That's not written in the scriptures. It doesn't say his intention. It doesn't say why he did it necessarily. So we just know that he did it. Well, let's look at some scriptures, right? Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. This is after the death of Christ, and this is Paul. And Paul says this, but God commandeth, commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we think about that, right? We're sinners. We make mistakes. We do things wrong. And still Christ died for us, right? God gives his love to us and he does it through Jesus Christ, regardless of how we're living our lives. You can't actually let him down if he was scared of being let down and that was a problem for him, would he have sent Jesus Christ to us? I don't think so. In the book of first John chapter four, verse seven, it says beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. And he that loveth not knoweth not God for God is love. Yeah. So this is describing Love and being let down, those aren't the same thing, right? If God is love, then that's his normal state of being. And interrupting that would, like, with being let down, wouldn't be love necessarily. Here's another scripture in the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 10. It says, And it came to pass as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. So, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yeah, which basically. Everybody, right? Everybody's a sinner. And he wants someone to think about this phrase, right? They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. Yeah, he also said, now that I've said it, understand what I just said. And this was for the Pharisees, right? And they're listening listening to this. They might be the ones with the most sin because they're not even recognizing that they're sick spiritually. Now these people are coming to Jesus Christ and they're saying, hey, I've got these sins and everything. Can you help me? And so Jesus Christ is eating with them. We don't have to be perfect to be in the presence of Christ. We don't have to be perfect to be in the presence of God, right? At least here in this mortal realm, we are here to learn and to grow. We are here to have an experience. And here in John 3, verse 16, right? This is a famous scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right? And this it's this idea that God is giving us everything, right? Everything for us, knowing that we're sinners, knowing that we make mistakes, knowing that we're not perfect, knowing that we will make choices that give us misery. Now, the thing is, God is love and he still loves the world and he loves us. In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, this is an important scripture to really bring this home. Then said Jesus, and this is when Jesus is being crucified. He's on the cross, right? Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yeah. So if you're in this situation where you're like, ah, man, I'm just making these mistakes all the time. I don't know how to move forward i you know i feel like i'm letting people down around my life or i'm letting god down here's the thing already jesus says you're forgiven god is love as well and he does he can't be let down is the big thing i mean if you can let god down then it means a few things one You're more powerful in controlling God's emotional state than he is. And if you can control his emotional state, then you are more powerful than God, and he would cease to be God. So for one, automatically, you can't let him down because he would cease being in his role. Another thing, it would mean that he is unstable. Would you want to follow a volatile and unstable God that can be let down instead of being full of love? No, you wouldn't. And here's another one, it would mean his love is conditional. If his love is conditional, then why did he send Jesus Christ to the earth? Why would he put everything on the line? Why would he put himself in the state of knowing that we're going to make mistakes and allow us to make mistakes? So his love is not conditional, it's unconditional. And here's another thing, it would mean that he cannot see the end from the beginning which means he's not eternal. He wouldn't be able to say, hey, they're making mistakes. It means they're learning. And because they're learning, they're on this path. And because they're on this path, they're going to get these results. Yeah, he wouldn't be able to see the end from the beginning if you're able to let him down. Here's another thing. He wouldn't be embracing a plan of happiness for himself because he would allow himself to be unhappy by feeling let down by you. And that would get in the way of him enjoying his eternal bliss and joy right? Because if he could be let down, that kind of puts a, puts a difficulty in, in his being. I mean, think about that. Put yourself in God's fully loving shoes of joy and happiness and say, hmm, I'm getting let down all the time by 7 billion people. Like That would be problematic. Multiply that by however many other worlds there are with other beings. That would just be a mess. I think that he can't be in a negative state at all or else he would cease from being god now if here's the final thing too if you can let god down then he's probably not a god you want to follow yeah because if he can be upset easier than you and he's volatile and he doesn't know you and he can't see the end for the beginning and he's not happy himself and he's not in control of his emotional state that's not a person you want to follow, right? In fact, you might even question who am I following if I believe those things? If I believe I can let God down, am I really following God? Am I really think about thinking about the eternal joyful nature which is God, the God of love? Am I really thinking about that person or have I been deceived? Yeah, that's an important question to ask yourself because when the truth comes out, right? When you truly knew know who you are. You're not on a hierarchy between you and God. You're not on this low part of the totem pole. I mean, think about it. I've heard other religions, people say, you know, after we die, we're just going to sing praises to God and worship him all the time. That seems a little egotistical to me, at least. I think that he is more on par with us and he wants us to be like him. If you read, ever read the King Follett sermon by Joseph Smith, he talks about God being once like us. And now... He's like God. And basically, it's saying we can become like God too, in that same aspect, in that same sense. This is one of the most powerful portions of theology in LDS religion, in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints, is this idea that God has made it possible for us to be like Him. And you can't possibly let Him down. He's your Father. He knows you're learning. He knows you're in an experience. In fact, you are closer to being an experience than you are a person because a person is stable, right? It's a noun. You're an experience, and you are experiencing life. And if you think about life, how many people do you know right, in this world? Now, look outside the galaxy. How many people do you know exist in the galaxy or in the universe? And how, And now that you think about people, these people that you know, including yourself, We have a conscious ability, a way to make choices, a way to think through things and analyze and change our life around. Yeah. We're already like God, as far as scientists can tell, right? Because they can observe the universe and be like, who else is out there? That's like you, nobody. There's nobody else out there like you with the intelligence that you have and the thinking capacity that you have that we can observe in the known universe. And we are unable to observe God with our current instruments that we're using in science. And so scientifically, they would have to make the conclusion that you are as close to God as anything we know in the universe. So you start thinking about yourself in that level, right? Start thinking about yourself as someone who's learning with God, right? If you're in a classroom with a teacher, and maybe you have kids that are in a classroom with a teacher— Would you say that the teacher are better than your students, than your kids, which are students? Would you say the teacher is better than the kids because they're older and maybe wiser? Maybe they've learned more? Probably not, because it's likely some of you might be teachers. Some of you might not be teachers, right? Not always teachers are the most intellectual people in society. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're not the most productive individuals in society. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not, right? It depends on how you look at it. But to say that because all the students in the classroom are being taught by someone who's older and maybe understands the subject matter better, to say the teacher is now better would be ridiculous, right? Everybody's on a different learning path. And there will be kids that surpass the income level of the teacher or the limitations of the teacher. There will be kids that do less, right? The point is that it's a learning experience. It's an experience that you're part of, and it's not meant to be a comparison. So when you think about this, right, when you think about this idea, I'm letting God down. Who are you really thinking about? Are you really thinking about letting God down or are you thinking about letting yourself down? Because when you look at your life and let's say you are standing next to God, watching yourself, right? You're standing there with God. You're watching yourself down there, right? God wouldn't be upset. Who's going to be the one that's upset necessarily looking at yourself. It might be you, right? Well, the thing is, there's no need to do that. When you understand your true nature of self and who you truly are as a person, instead you can look at yourself with complete, utter love, just like God and say, I am an experience and I'm learning, yeah? So here's a good question to go along with this. So who is God, yeah? And what relationship can you have with him? Ultimately, this is a question you have to answer for yourself, right? This is not a question that I can answer for you. I did find some things for myself that I've learned and I found to be helpful, and I can share these with you, and if you like them, you can think about them, right? One, God is the most powerful resource in existence to me in my happiness, joy, success, and progression. He is the person that I can rely on. He's the one that can give me all the strength and power that I want when I want to access it. The second thing is he's on my side and wants me to have what I want. Regardless of what it is, if I'm exercising agency and actually choosing things that I want for me and not choosing things because someone else told me to choose it or because a church told me to choose it or because God told me to choose it, he prefers me making my own choices. And he's on my side to allow me to decide my own learning modules, you might say. And he's there to teach me as I go through it. I heard once from someone that talked about a coach. And he was working with this coach and this coach told him, he said, sometimes you have to let your clients go off into the rails. So they have some context when they come back and talk to you. God is all on board with that. He allows us to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. He lets us be free agents in our life. And he wants that. Another thing I've learned, he wants me to experience life and let myself learn without feeling like I'm letting him down. This is the entire point of agency, right? When you really think about it, let yourself experience what life is. I had a client once come and talk to me, and this client said, I was drinking whatever I want when I was on vacation. And I said, good, did you have fun? And, and this client was LDS. And she persisted. She said, I was drinking whatever I wanted. I don't think you understand. I was drinking all kinds of things. And I said, good for you. Did you have fun? And then she said, no, you don't understand. I was drinking alcohol, and I want you to know that. And I said, good, did you have fun? And it really went over her head the first couple times. She thought I didn't understand. Well, I believe that God is asking similar questions, right? He's probably just asking, hey, I'm glad what you did. Did it bring you joy? Did it bring you more love? Is it helping you be the person that you know you are on the inside? And he's going to ask those kind of questions, in my own opinion. And finally, Number four, he wants me to become an agent to myself because ultimately the way I use my agency is the true difference between me and God, yeah? The big difference between him, I mean, we can talk about an LDS philosophy would be a resurrected body, right? If you're not talking an LDS religion, then it's ultimately just the power of choice. It's only the power of agency. It's God can will something and it happens. God can say something and it's created, God can think something and it's made spiritual, right? Now, the thing is, your agency is so important that you become an agent to yourself and you decide the kind of path that you want to create in your own life. So that's the relationship I feel like I have with God. And so how did I get past this idea that I needed to, that I, I was letting him down? Yeah. And here's the thing. First thing, I remember that I'm his creation. He saw me on the seventh day and he said it was good. Yeah, he looked at me, he looked at you, he looked at all the creations and he said it was good. And if he says that, he's not gonna change his mind, right? Because God is the same today, tomorrow and forever. So if he said it was good the first time, it's good forever. And just like Christ, I am God's beloved son in whom he is well-pleased. You know that scripture when Jesus Christ is baptized, right? And the dove comes down And it says, this is my son, Jesus Christ, in whom I am well-pleased. Well, I'm also his son, and I believe he's well-pleased in me. Yeah, And I couldn't let him down no matter what I do. And I realized that the rules and procedures of religion sometimes get in the way of the truth of my nature if I allow it to determine whether or not I'm pleasing to God or if I let him down. And if I'm allowing that, that I'm not allowing God to let me know that I please Him. And you can stop wherever you're at, you can stop and think this right away. You can say, if God really is love, if He really is my creator and I'm His creation, and He said, I am good, wouldn't He be pleased in me no matter what I'm doing and where I'm at? Wouldn't He be happy for who I am, His creation, right? He created me. That should bring him joy. Just the fact that I'm using my agency would bring him joy, expressing my experience, yeah, allowing me to be free. And if we never allow ourselves to be free because we're just following rules and procedures in the church, we won't discover our spiritual nature because our spiritual nature is free by nature. So now I'm allowing the love of God to enter into my being exactly how I am and who I am. I don't feel like I need to change anything in order to feel the love of God. I don't feel like he's displeased. I don't feel like I let him down. I don't believe that there's anything that I could do that would separate me from the love of God. And I can allow that to come inside me, even if I feel like a terrible sinner or despicable or whatever words you want to use. I allow him to teach me now. I allow him to lead me. I allow him to love me. And you can do that too. It's really important to let God have that role in your life if you do believe in a God, right? If you don't believe in a God, then start believing in yourself. And really, I think it's undeniable to find power beyond yourself in this universe that you may have noticed, right? Allow yourself to tap into that power that is there. Now, what would happen to you if you viewed God as a resource, rather than someone that was disappointed in you or you let down or you need to please, what would happen if you viewed him as a resource? Someone was there to help you. Yeah. What might happen if you viewed God as that resource and what might happen if you allowed him to give you his power instead of pushing it away because you think it might be displeasing. You might be displeasing him. You might not be worthy of his power. That idea right there is you pushing away his power. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, what you've said. None of that matters. He will give you power in any moment. As soon as you want it and as soon as you call on it, power will come to you. What might happen if you allow that? If you allow that power to come in? And what might happen when you learn to fully trust that God has your best interest in mind? That he truly knows you and he wants to give to you? When you give him that trust, yeah, he... All that's asked in the scriptures from Jesus Christ, instead of the law of sacrifice of animals, right? Of blood, he says a broken heart and a contrite spirit. That's what God is asking for. Why is he asking for that? Because then we're teachable. Then he can help us. He can give us power. He can help us overcome any obstacle in our life. He can help us see miracles, right? And as we've learned in former episodes, there's this vast web of quantum entanglement right and as soon as we say i trust this is the result i want we might be creating the result with god in that moment which is a powerful idea that you can totally get behind because imagine what would that do for your life right if you say hey this is the result i want and then you fully trust in god right and you allow him to teach you so that you become more conscious of how to get the results you want. And at the same time, he can give you manna from heaven. He can give you the result and show you how to get there. So when that individual was saying that he doesn't want to let God down, I interrupted because the person helping him didn't realize that maybe that could be a limitation that he was having. And I interrupted him and I said, if you could let God down, is that a God you would want to follow? And he stopped and he was like, whoa, I guess I wouldn't, (laughs) I wouldn't follow a God if I could let him down. And I said, and if you could let him down, then would he cease to be God? And he thought, whoa, you're right. He would cease to be God. He actually would no longer be my God if he could be let down. And I said, perhaps the question isn't whether or not you're letting God down, but who you are is the question and where you belong and what your true nature is, because you're feeling this feeling of letting yourself down. And you're only feeling that because you haven't totally leaned into this idea that you're more than who you are. And whoever you think you are, you're more than that, aren't you? So my friend that was doing an ayahuasca experience, Mother Aya was sitting next to him, and he was feeling horrible, horrible, horrible. He ended up, after hours of feeling awful, he ended up puking, throwing up demons, as he said. So I don't know if it was real puke or not, but he said he saw these demons flying out of his mouth and all these crazy, crazy things that he was hallucinating. And then the pain in his back went away and he woke up out of the the hallucination hours later and he went on living his life. Well, I didn't necessarily notice much of a difference in his life other than it was a really cool entertaining story that i wish he would tell more often because it's kind of fun to listen to and really with joseph smith and psychedelics there's not very good evidence that he was using psychedelics or giving it to his congregation because the psychedelics that they've accused him of using wouldn't result in the kind of revelations that he was getting that's not really the experience that kind of level of detail and consciousness that goes into writing the Doctrine and Covenants is not something that can be replicated with psychedelics. Usually those are different kinds of hallucinations and experiences rather than information that's coming in. And it's fascinating. And by the way, the name of that church that uses psychedelics in Salt Lake City, they're called the Divine Assembly And it's fascinating to watch people walk out of being a member of the church to find more spirituality, right? Because it's this idea that as people were in the church, they may have allowed the church to dictate how they viewed God and view themselves. And that might be the thing that is hindering their spirituality, their spiritual experience. It's not whether or not they're doing psychedelics or whether or not they're a member or not. It's this ownership of who you are, understanding who you are and moving forward and taking complete ownership over that. So my view on psychedelics is this. Now, at this point, I'll share this after I've done a few episodes. I think they're totally unnecessary. I don't think there's something that would help you necessarily in a spiritual realm that you couldn't do for yourself. Um, Now, we spoke to a doctor last week, right? He's using it like a medication possibly it could be helpful rather than taking other drugs, right? If, if people are going to take medication anyway, why not explore ones that are less harmful or better for you? When we're talking in a spiritual aspect, in a way that gets us closer to God or to our true natures or help us feel free, I don't see psychedelics as the thing that gets us there because we would be dependent on a substance in order to have that freeing feeling in that state of mind and spirituality to me is when all dependencies are released and you're totally free. So adding a dependency into the process seems counterproductive, at least to me. And yes, I agree that these people are having incredible experiences, possibly experiencing reality or maybe it's not reality. I think people say it's reality, but we don't really know. right? you couldn't know that it's reality anymore that you know it's reality right now. And so who knows what it actually is? Who knows that it's not some kind of other spiritual realm that we're not supposed to be there. Who knows that we're not being influenced in that in a certain way or not. I found that the best spiritual practice, which goes back to that interview I had with Tennyson Taggart, who was doing LSD and now is just focusing on being present. I found that being present, is the best spiritual practice because you can find God while being present. Well, thank you for listening today to this episode. In the future here in March, I have some big announcements coming up as far as getting together as groups. And I know in the past I've talked about doing fires and all these kind of things. Well, those didn't materialize, this one will, and we're going to be sharing some incredible experiences together As you explore spirituality, as you explore finding answers for yourself, as you explore really getting actual results in your life, because when I talk to people about this, a lot of times they're successful people that are LDS. That are now looking at the church and wondering how does the church fit into my life because i go to church and i see other people and i say why are these people so miserable if all the truth is here why are people upset and and looking tired and down on themselves like they've let god down why did they everyone look like they've they're letting themselves down well here's the thing soon i'll be giving an announcement on how to move forward in life and get the results you want while staying successful. And really, I'll, I'll say this much, uh, your church status or membership usually isn't the actual question you need to answer. It's usually not even the issue. And we'll talk about that in the future. For now, stay tuned as I release this in March. And we will talk next Sunday. Ken loves to get feedback from his audience send him a private message or write a review so that he can discuss topics that are most relevant to your spiritual experience thank you for listening today and remember to join next week